Hello everyone, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever it is that you are. Welcome to the penultimate episode of Let's Be Real. Um, this is the fifth and almost final episode of the show. I just want to say thank you to everyone that has watched so far. I hope you've been enjoying the conversations that we've been having and I hope you've been enjoying most of all the guests that have been on here. Um, just a notice for next week, I have moved the show to the 13th, so that's a Saturday, it won't be happening on a Sunday. And that is just to avoid clashing with any Valentine's Day plans. You might have some, I have none. So if any potential suitors are watching and you have lots and lots of money, then feel free to hit me up because I want someone to buy me clothes. <laughs> um, without further ado, I am so excited to be introducing my guest for the fifth episode of Let's Be Real. He has over a decade's experience in the adult film world and recently has transitioned into producing his own content online. He is a hairstylist, an artist, and a social figure who has been a reassuring public person for so many of us. Um, I've had the absolute honour of getting to know him on social media, and I'm so excited to be sharing with you all some of his experiences and to get to talk to him. So I will just go ahead and drop him a message. Yes, I did say lots and lots of money because what else do we need in this economy from a man? How's it going? It's going good. How are you? Good. You have me blushing hearing you talk about it. Like, <laughs> none of that's actually true, but keep going. <laughs> I mean, I can just compliment you for this episode. I don't mind. Please, do that <laughs> for the next hour straight. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, just locked in. What else is my life? <laughs> right. How's that going for you? Um, it's going okay. I mean... Like I said to you on the phone, if I didn't have this show, I would have no purpose. So yeah. here we are. You are consciously exactly. contributing to my sanity. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. I am so excited to have you here. Um, and just for people watching, we'll be covering everything from your experiences through the years to things like authenticity, how you've seen yourself develop through the different experiences that you have, the different platforms that you have, um, and talking also about your next era and what camera rows will look like in the next few years. <laughs> Let's see. Um, so to kind of throw you straight into the deep end, obviously we know you and describe you as a performer, a creator and an artist, but how, who would you really say is Cameron Rose and how would you say that your identity has developed over the years? Um, I would identify as all those things. I also think, um, the question was, how does my identity uh, become that over the years? Mm -hmm. I think it's just accumulation of all different um, events happening and aspects. And I think a lot of it has to do with the people I surround myself with, too. You know, I have a great group of friends, my family. Yeah. Um, how you choose to occupy your time, you know, whether it's at work or, you know, at your time off when you're by yourself or whatever it is you're doing. Um, you know, just develops over the years and forms from that. Even, you know, sometimes the negative things have the biggest impact on leading you to where you are today, which is... Yeah. And being in the kind of work that you're in, having the time to kind of, like, also juggle different avenues that you might want to pursue, have you ever found it difficult to have those measures in place where you can remind yourself of who you are and to keep yourself afloat? Um, I think the one thing that I've personally benefit from of having like different avenues in my hands and different pots in my life is I don't really get burnt out. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if I focus on one thing, then like I kind of get exhausted or I get bored. But, you know, doing occupying my time with different ways and splitting up my time and my creativity and my mental process and, you know, what's going to be most beneficial for me financially, but may not be the most fulfilling, you know, creatively or internally. Like, so I think occupying my time with different things really is something that I benefit from a lot. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit more about some of the different avenues that you've explored. So okay. over the years, let's you started, you started out with studio work and in the past few years have been producing your own content. Mm -hmm. So keeping in mind also the different avenues that you've materialized now, such as being a hairstylist and doing embroidery work, at what point over the years did you kind of 
have the, that definitive moment where you were like, this is what I want to be doing and this is what I want to be creating? Uh, for at what point are you speaking on? At any point for you, like any significant moment where you really thought, you know, this is the kind of life or career that I want to have. Um, for example, it could even be the transition that you had from studio work to producing your own work. Like what was kind of instrumental in leading you to some of the major life decisions that you've made? Um, I mean, in that particular situation, I think a big benefit was having control, you know, working in an industry where you work for people and you make a fraction of the money and they make all the money off of you having a platform where you can do it on your own terms and you're solely benefiting from it definitely was an incentive. Um, I always, you know, I did porn and for a while, as a lot of people know, and I always knew it was not an end goal for me. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I always knew that that wasn't just it. It was um, something that helped me out financially and led me to do other things in my life and go to school and do, you know, X, Y, Z. But I always wanted to <clears throat> kind of leave that behind before you know, I got stuck in it. Mm -hmm. You know, I always knew that, you know, it is good money and it comes pretty quickly, but that's not like a long-term permanent thing. So I never wanted to be in a position where I was clinging to it or I was, you know, reliant on it and not wanting to do it anymore. So that really motivated me to get other things set up for me in my life, yeah. whether it was financially or for a long-term career goal. That was a big motivating factor behind that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that you mentioned was the idea of control. So when you're mm. producing your own work, you obviously have say over how it is that you, you know, create content, pushing out content, who it is that sees it, who it is that subscribes to it. In kind of taking some of that control back, have you seen your sense of self or the ways that you kind of combine your work identity and your kind of personal life? Have you seen those come closer together as you've had more control in your own creative process? Um, yeah, I would say so. I never saw them too distant from each other. You know, they were different parts of me, Colton and Cameron. They were, you know, I never really went as one identity. I kind of kept the two separate, you know, their own avenues for a little bit. For me, that's what worked best. My friends always called me Cameron. It was never like a full identity that I took on. Um, I knew it had a time and a place and it was work. So I've always kept that a little bit separate. I guess with creating your content, it does blend a little bit more because it's not as sterile as studio work. You know, it's not like a booked gig and you have to be here on a certain date and there's flights and like all this stuff is gone. So it's a little bit more intimate. So I think that would definitely blur that line a bit for sure. Yeah. which is nice because I think people respond to authenticity, which I've, in my experience, I've realized. Um, so I think people do like that for sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit more about authenticity and being online. So obviously OnlyFans is an online platform mm -hmm. um, and primarily the tool for promoting it is Twitter. So alongside putting your content out there, you're also engaging directly with people, answering questions, and in some senses being more than just a performer. You are people's friends, you are people, you're someone that people interact with and listen to. How have you found that particular experience in terms of authenticity? Do you feel like people access you not only as a person, but in kind of a series of roles, as friend, as listener, as performer as well? Like you're kind of you, you're, you're a host of things when, when you blend yourself with your. You're too nice to me. You're making me blush saying all these things. <laughs> like, I would never describe myself to these things, but it's nice for you to say that. <laughs> well, it's true. I think it, it can be. The idea of authenticity is obviously, like you've said, people respond to it. But do you ever find it difficult to kind of show your authentic self? when people have access to, you know, things that they're paying for or content that they want? You know, I, yes, I do see issues with it at some points. I feel like 
like I have now at this point learned how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the whole OnlyFans situation and like is kind of like a game. You you learn how to work it. You get the rhythm down, and like it's about promoting and doing X Y Z and in between. Um, I think that I've learned to separate the two a little bit. Like I've started my own social medias and Twitters for Cameron and Colton as separate ones. So people that want to go to Colton's page and see, you know, a certain type of content, they're going to receive that there. And they're not going to have to rifle through tweets of Britney Spears and like pictures of like my dog. (laughs) So it's like, you know, I can learn to put myself in that one lane and, let this be a space for people that want to see solely this come to see. And then if other people want to hear me ranting and rambling about God knows what they can find me on a personal page. But Mm -hmm. I think that is part of playing the game. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not ashamed to be a big faggot and I don't try and hide that online, but unfortunately not everyone always wants to see that necessarily. You know, especially yeah. if they're in a in the market of looking at porn or trying to jack off or whatever it may be, they're not gonna want to see that. So it just separating the two makes it like two different things for me. Yeah, one's more work, and then one's just myself. I would say. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you're learning to navigate those two different selves. What would you say is kind of as in, what, what is your relationship with that pressure of what people want to see versus things that you might want to say that you feel like have to be silenced or put elsewhere, i.e. on your personal account, because that isn't what they want to consume? Yeah, I, honest, I, don't, I, don't, um, I don't experience a lot of issues with it too frequently anymore. That's something I dealt with for a while. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's playing down how gay you are or how you like to dress or what you like to listen to because you want to be more mask presenting and appeal to more people online. It's like you lose yourself in that. You're like yeah. trying to appease strangers on the internet that you don't know and have no real impact on your life. And it's mm-hmm. like, who's winning from this? Like mm-hmm. people start liking you online because you're presenting a, a version of yourself that isn't really you. It's like, what's the benefit of this for you? It's very self-serving and it's, you know, it doesn't really get yeah. you anywhere. So for me now, I've just learned to let that go. You know, I feel like there there needs to be some, like, if I'm going to put things out there, it's not, I try and always question my intention behind it. Yeah. Like, you know, I got caught up a lot recently, especially working in an industry where it's, like, based on your looks and your body, like, getting validation from that for a while. But then you also realize, like, okay, these people like this shirtless selfie of me. It's, like that's just like easy gay, (laughs) gay work, you know, it doesn't take anything. But then you post something that like you created, or you spent a lot of time in or an outfit or like something that like, is your expression of yourself. And then that gets a response. And it's like, you see the two for me, what's more fulfilling, like, you know, like, it's mindless for like, you to see a gay man on social media that's shirtless, and you kind of just double tap without even looking. But like, Mm -hmm. if it's something that you are putting you know, some thought and effort and heart into, it's the the response you get is, it feels different, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Was there a moment where you had this realization? And prior to that, did you feel like it was a lot harder to manage these different selves that you might have? Um, you said some. you mentioned that it can be difficult working in an industry where all day you are constantly judged for your physical appearance whether that be in the actual content that you create or people who are on set working with you you're visible and everyone can see that side of you was there a moment where you really had to kind of think like I need to change the way that I think and that led you to reach where you are now um I can't pinpoint one moment particularly I know that you know I did do studio porn for so long And for a while, it actually gave me, like, so many self-confidence issues and, like, so much anxiety. Um, I would show up on set, like, 
my skinny ass, like 140 pounds next to these like massive tanned, muscled out, roided out guys. And I would like see the pictures or stills come up on the camera as we're shooting them. And I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, why am I here on? Then, you know, going through that process, being on set for 10 hours, like in your head, being like, I'm so ugly. Like, and I mean, these are all our own battles and our own demons that we have that like, yeah. you unfortunately don't have control necessarily of those thoughts entering. So for a while, it really did give me some, some self-esteem issues which would be the, I kind of the opposite because people always think that you'd be really confident and like you're putting yourself out there you're naked but it had like an adverse reaction on me um and then when you get to transfer to like the only fan situation like you were saying it's goes back to that control like you yeah. have control of the situation i'm not putting myself in situations where i feel uncomfortable and anxious and not confident and again i think that translates and people do yeah. see that yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting you mentioned when people see you putting content online or they see you have presence, they assume that you're kind of without issue or that you don't process these very real, like you said, self-esteem issues. How do you kind of navigate something like that? I mean, obviously, I'm guessing now you have the relevant support systems, but say at a time when you were experiencing these things and having this view of yourself, but because of how people perceived you to be confident or to be out there, did that make it hard to kind of express what it is that you're, you're going through? Um, I'm not sure I really ever did express it with people. These were really a lot of internal battles, but yeah. I think I was able to have the conversations with myself and pinpoint the emotions that I was having and kind of dissect that and where it was coming from and, you know, like where along this can I make a change so that I don't, yeah continue to feel this way. Um, I mean, recently, just within this past year, like, I think mental health is super important. Um, this past year, I started in therapy, started seeing a psychiatrist, I'm on antidepressants, like, these are things that I don't think I talked about enough. And, you know, they have some stigma and shame attached to them. Uh, inevitably, if we, if we don't like to admit it, um, but sometimes you have to realize things are a little bit bigger than you. And sometimes it's okay to ask for help. It's always okay to ask for help, but to be there and to be vulnerable and to like open that door to change is like how you exactly, you, you will see a change because, you know, I got to a point, this year was rough for everyone. And it just got to a point where I was just not feeling good for a while. And I wasn't really doing anything actively to change it. And, you know, the things I was yeah. doing weren't helping. And so, you know, I've done therapy and all this in the past, and it's been a minute, but it just came to a point where it was like, okay, you need, like, it's just nice to have someone to talk to. Sometimes you have these, these thoughts that you don't even realize you've been carrying around for 20 years, and now you're talking to your therapist about something that happened when you were, like, nine that you didn't realize <laughs> scarred you this long. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know if like... that was related to the question you asked, but no. <laughs> I got there somehow. It was, and I think it's it's really important to understand that, like you said, things that seem to work or have worked, like the self is always changing and how we understand ourselves is always changing. And with that has to come the knowledge that, you know, your downfalls can look very different, even though they feel the same. So it can be hard to constantly think like, where do I start navigating this? Or do I need to do something different? But to constantly check in with yourself and see if what you need is something different. I think it's something a lot of us forget to do. It's very easy to get caught up in like the routine of things. And right. The pressure to, to, to just be okay. That it can seem almost like a collapse to admit that you don't know what's going on. And right. you don't know what to do, but that's where we start doing those things. So that is a beautiful process to, to hear that you've been through. And I'm happy that for the past year, you've found things that have worked for you. Um, so now kind of being in this position and having had those specific experiences through the industry, how would you say your relationship with social media or even the work that you do has changed over the years? Um. I think it's 
my relationship with social media has definitely changed within the past few years. Um, just like a year or so ago, I mean, two years, I don't know at this point, <laughs> maybe two years ago, Instagram deleted my account and like for good, like it was gone. And I think I had like 90,000 followers or something and they like locked me out of signing in to any existing account or making an account for almost three months. So like yeah. having a forced break like that from something that you've been on your phone for, for the past like six, seven, eight years, nonstop mm -hmm. all day, all of a sudden wasn't really an, it wasn't an option. I couldn't access it and it just, it was a nice break that was definitely needed. And then starting, you know, starting an account fresh, it was really interesting because suddenly these like brands and designers and like people that I would be in contact with before and would want to send me things or reach out, like all of a sudden wanted nothing to do with me. Like, cause I didn't have this large following. And I just mm -hmm. thought it was so funny because nothing has changed about me like <laughs> nothing has changed it's not like i'm canceled it's not like i said some fucked up shit or did anything mm -hmm. but because i didn't have this large following like people looked at me differently and it's yeah. like that has nothing to do with anything i know some of the worst people i've met have large the largest followings like it doesn't mean you have a greater worth it doesn't mean that you're cooler it doesn't mean that you are gonna like provide something better to xyz because you have 90,000 people following you or however many um and i think at that point i was just like it kind of took away the seriousness of social media that i had built in you know an inevitable subconscious relationship of like playing a part of this whole game and you know getting likes and posting xyz just to get attention or whatever it was not that there's anything wrong with that but sometimes i like i said earlier i just don't really think it was i benefit from it greatly yeah. you know it was more like a immediate pleasing like you get a lot of likes on this photo and it's like a high it's like a rush and then it has like no worth or value and it just is yeah. very fleeting <laughs> and i think it's just like yeah i'm not really sure yeah, I think Instagram is a weird, like, self-fulfilling thing where the more that you are seen, the more pressure there is to be seen. And there is this notion that, like, the only way to navigate it is to have more engagement and to go out and to be seen by more people. But when that goes, it's like your relationship with social media inadvertently is, doesn't become about just saying stuff that you want to say or saying stuff that is important to you because as you go through it, there is this greater pressure that people will see it and people will have to interact with it. Was that something that you felt kind of starting a new account, that there was perhaps pressure or no pressure to be seen and to kind of rebuild what it was that was on this previous account? No. Yeah, I didn't feel any pressure. I feel like at that point, I kind of had like a mental shift. I was already like on this journey, I feel like before my account got deleted, like it wasn't, that wasn't just like the the start it was more of like that was the tipping point where i was like oh this really has no no real meaning at the end of the day yeah yeah well we've spoken a lot about how you as a person have navigated these things um but i was quite conscious of asking and obviously if it's sensitive just ignore me um how relationships i.e friends or more have kind of formed with other people through this experience do you feel like whether you whether it was during studio work or shifting to only fans and having this online presence do you ever feel like people have or think that they have a certain kind of access to you or feel entitled to you whether that be physically or mentally um i call it kind of like a culture of over familiarity where we see you online and there's a real tendency to think like oh, I can just dip in and out because I know that I know this person. Is that something that you've kind of experienced or what has been your experience? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that inevitably, unfortunately, comes with the territory of being a sex worker. People mm -hmm. think that because you are putting it out there and you're okay with showing it online, that you, you become, you lose your human qualities and characteristics in their eyes and you become just a piece of meat mm -hmm. 
yeah. and they see you as that. And um, especially in person, I don't really experience it a lot anymore because not as frequently. I stopped doing studio work a few years ago and I've just, it would really happen when I would go to events and places as Colton. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, it's very handsy. It's very like, they need your attention. They're going to offer you sexual advances and you turning them down is very rude of you. And yeah. it's a weird thing <clears throat> that I kind of understand, but that doesn't make it right, it right if that makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. I don't think it's like the most absurd idea in the world, but it's also just crazy that some people don't have like, they just like drop the respect for you as a human a little bit. Yeah. because they they want this one thing out of you that they've seen online and all aspects other of your life no longer matter or exist you're kind yeah. of like a character to them mm -hmm. is there a certain degree that you have to kind of accept that and work with it or do you find that there is worth in trying to push back and show i you i i naturally am a person that pushes back yeah. so if if people would do things to make me feel uncomfortable i usually would let them know in my nice way possible but i mean if people think it's okay to do something that's not okay mm -hmm. the least you can do is tell them it's not okay to do that so hopefully yeah. going further they have some insight that maybe i shouldn't do this to someone else or make someone else feel uncomfortable yeah 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 i can imagine online a lot of people feel like they're there's no social responsibility like when you have uh, almost anonymous account interacting with you i'm mm. guessing in their minds because it's kind of like there's nothing to lose and there's only one purpose for the interaction but that completely removes like you said the human qualities um, well i guess i will say this what i just said was referring to in-person things yeah online yeah. things i just ignore that yeah. is not worth my time because for that exact reason it's an empty account with who knows who's bit sitting behind there like if at least if you're going to do something do it to my face say it to my face but like it's so easy just to sit behind a phone and type shit and like not feel any repercussions of like what you're saying to this person that if you were saying it to my face you'd probably feel bad or feel awkward or you'd be too scared to say it like yeah yeah so I guess my answer before was to situations that I do have in, I have um, encountered in person. Yeah. But online people just, they're not worth your time. Mm -hmm. It's just not because it's like, it's not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And like, you're never going to convince the other person on the other side if they're wrong or that they've yeah. done something inappropriate. It's just like, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. In that process of filtering out those those messages or those accounts from people online, is that also something that has really helped with this idea of being authentic? You're not kind of like, you know, always bending your content or your words to what these small accounts who don't treat you as a human or treat you as a real person have to say. Like, you are completely in control of who it is that you respond to and how. Do you think that's something that has contributed to... to making it a healthier space for you yeah i think it has i also think it just comes with like you have to question like is this worth my energy is this worth my time like yeah. <laughs> what am i gonna get out of this nothing so it's mm -hmm. just like it's just so easy just to look past it and delete the message or clear i will say i don't get too many hateful messages which yeah. i hopefully doesn't change but <laughs> <laughs> do you ever kind of feel like and i ask this question to anyone online like anyone that has a kind of presence do you ever feel a sense of just like fuck this like the idea of having to manage different selves or having yeah. to manage different interactions and always teetering on this line where you're just doing your own thing but because the perception is that you're you have presence People associate a lot of importance with, with things that you say or how things might be taken. Do you ever feel that is, tr is true of your experience? I think you said something that made me think like social media can be a little exhausting. I think for all of us, we all need breaks and we all need, you know, we have these moments where we delete it for a day, a week, whatever it is, at least for me. And I know a lot of my friends too. Yeah. Um, 
it gets really tricky when your income is tied in with social media. That's where it gets a little frustrating because there are times where like mentally I'll need to like take a step back and like check out or like, you know, Twitter can become too too dark, too much complaining, too too exhausting. But then it's like, I can't really run away from this right now because now I'm exhausted and like worn out by social media, but what am I also going to be broke too? <laughs> like that's not going to, that's not going to help me out in this situation. Yeah. So it is a little bit of a burden sometimes having to be tied down to that and having it be directly linked with your income and yeah. ultimately your well-being in that situation. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gets exhausting with being, having it tied to sex too. Cause sometimes you know, you're not in the sexiest mood and you're not in a place where you feel like doing X, Y, Z to get the certain content or like make it. Cause I mean, you know, it is a whole process as well. And yeah. sometimes that can be really, oh, it can be a lot too, because now you're like, I'm having to do these things. It's taking away from like that fun and that control that we were saying is the good thing about having yeah. this is that you, yeah that can be a tricky one too yeah would you say that that has impacted that particular dynamic of what money is tied into whether it be your presence or the actions that you perform would you say that that's had an impact on say in your personal life how you see intimacy or how you navigate relationships and and those more personal spaces yeah definitely I think it's like there's a certain point where sex in my eyes is attached to work you know even if it's in my private life now because now it's under my control before it was like studio work was separate and my private life was private now my private life is also tied in with work because of just the name of the game so yeah it can be really interesting to work out i dealt with this with my my most recent boyfriend because he is in the he's in the industry as well so obviously it was nice to have a person there to be able to make content with that you could do xyz and it wouldn't be any weird it wouldn't you know there was no thought really behind it but then it was like okay now we're not having time that's even ours because our sex life is now tied up to let's film this let's let's put this online let's do all these things and then it's like you lose that intimacy in those private moments with that person so we definitely had to set up boundaries in like our own private time and making sure that you know we had moments that were just ours for us to share together and not for the rest of everyone out there yeah yeah, I can imagine that is a, is a tricky thing to navigate, especially when the thing you're navigating is otherwise human and normal. Mm-hmm. Now, because there is money tied into it, it's difficult to, to set those boundaries for yourself. Kind of pushing further into the, I would kind of maybe typify it as, I guess, the customer and the provider and the relationship there. Knowing that people are paying to see parts of you that are intimate, whether it be experiences or more, Um, and knowing that you're producing content for people that pay, do you ever think that with that money, people treat you with a sense of entitlement where it can be difficult to think, okay, when can I step away or when can I have my own time? Because there are people Mm. that expect or are paying to see these these intimate parts of your life. No, I don't really get experience at a lot, especially just because a lot of the OnlyFans, I mean, with OnlyFans, a lot of, majority of people will come and sign up for one month and leave so it's like a constant game of making sure that you're putting content out and promoting yourself so that new people will come because a lot of people just want to come on pay for one month see everything you have and then move on i mean the fraction of people that you get that stay and are subscribing month to month but for the most part it is very fleeting so i don't really feel that i owe anything to people because yeah this is like it's how i do it and if i'm in a space where i don't feel like doing it then that's on me yeah yeah and like i appreciate people's money and like they obviously deserve what they pay for and i've never like walked away and just like not done things for a few months so i don't feel like i've ever taken advantage of that relationship with people 
But if I did, you know, I feel like I would just be, you know, write about it, make a post, let people know that, you know, I am in this place and I'm going to take some time. So if you feel like canceling, please do so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to flip back to something you mentioned really early on, um, which was that when you started studio work, it was in some ways a platform to help you do the things that you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. What has kind of your relationship with a sense of individuality been like over the years and kind of carving out who it is that you are and even materializing things like going into hairstyling or going into creating art? What would you say, if any, are the kind of major factors in, in helping you form that individuality and taking real ownership of, of the things that, that it is that you want to do? Um, the thing is just having an open and honest dialogue with yourself, you know, like I knew there were other things I wanted to do. I always wanted to do hair my whole life. I kind of always just put it off and put it to the side and, you know, I was too busy. I wasn't ready for it in my life. You know, I was traveling, I was partying, I was, you know, if I was shooting, I was flying around multiple times a month to go to different scenes and I wasn't ready for it. So, you know, I, when it was ready, when I was ready for it, it fell into my lap and I made a change. I remember being at a point where I was just so unfulfilled in my life. Like, yeah. you know, I didn't have anything that was, I was working for, I didn't have a direct like goal or a mindset of something I was working in that direction to achieve. And that's not a good feeling. You know, it's like you wake up and you're like, what am I doing today? Like, mm -hmm. and yeah, it sounds glamorous to like not have like a real job or like to do whatever you want, but it's really not. It's like, I, I find that I thrive when I have a schedule and when I am productive and when I have things to look forward to and things to work for. And like, like these next few years for me, like traveling and all that is just like so out of my mind because I'm so committed to what I'm doing for work right now. And I understand yeah. that I'm in a place where like, I'm just starting off and I have to pay my dues and like, I shouldn't say no to any opportunity. I'm playing with scissors. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I shouldn't say no to any opportunity. And like, it's just a good place to be because mm -hmm. I know I'm not where I want to be in the end, but I can only take the active steps to get there. So that's what's in my control. So that's what yeah. I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, that sounds amazing. And a lot of this conversation so far, I've obviously been asking you about the more dominant part of your career, which has been the studio work and transitioning into mm -hmm. fans. But now in this kind of new era where you're carving out these different opportunities, has that also had an impact on you as a person and how you kind of see your sense of self? Yeah, definitely. I have like, I feel like I have more worth and like more value in myself because I'm like, I'm committing myself to different things. I'm showing up for myself. I'm setting goals and I'm achieving them. And like, it is something that feels really good. Like, I'm definitely not making the same money I would be making if I was shooting studio films, but it doesn't really matter because I'm, I feel like I'm getting more fulfilled from doing this stuff and I know that I'm working towards something and like it it's a good feeling and like I said earlier I find recently especially that I do well when I have my hands in different pots like I was saying so when I get to split up my time and not solely be focusing on one thing all day and every day it you know you don't get worn out or exhausted from certain things yeah Oh, I feel, I feel like a proud parent. <laughs> that is so nice to hear. <laughs> well, kind of also navigating this next era, whether it be career or more personal, um, and also in con taking into context the experiences that you had and the lessons that you learned through this industry. Why don't we talk a bit about kind of boundaries and setting up roots for your own success and your own fulfillment? What would you say has been kind of most important for you going into the, this next stage of your life um, in terms of surrounding yourself with things that are fulfilling and that do make you happy? Mm -hmm. um, well, so I started, like, I think you talked about it. I started doing this embroidery stuff, which is super yeah. random. Um, the beginning of quarantine season one, 12 years ago. Um, I... <laughs> 
stumbled on someone's this guy he does like erotic embroidery with all these amazing yeah. flowers and stuff and i was on his page for like an hour and i was like just scrolling and scrolling and like watching his videos mm. and i was just like let me try this like i don't know this looks fun i have nothing else to do like literally nothing else to do in the world right now <laughs> um <laughs> so i picked up a needle and a t-shirt and thread and i like just started to do it and it was just like it kind of spiraled from there. It was just like a random hobby that I picked up and it was something, it was just nice to be spending my time like working on something. And like, it was nice to like access my creativity in a different way that I haven't mm -hmm. been doing in a long time. And like, you know, I would just watch YouTube videos as I did it and learn different techniques and it was just, you know, the one thing that I like about it the most, and even now as I'm still doing it, is I'm not on my phone. I am the worst with my phone. I'm always on my phone. Like I hate it even when like I'm watching TV, I have my phone in my hand and I don't know why. Like I'm not even, I'm not even paying attention all the time. And so it's like, you know, when I have both my hands are needed to make this happen, then it's, you know, it's the only thing I can do. So yeah. that's also a good thing because they take a few hours. So it's like a little meditative. It's like a little break from everything. I'm not on social media. I'm not texting people. Like I'm kind of just like by myself. And like, what I also like about it is like, it's like kind of instant. Yeah. Like it's like you're working on it and you instantly see what you're doing, which is also kind of like why I like doing hair as well because it's like instant gratification like it's like within a few hours you have something completely different and like yeah. you see it transform in front of your eyes which is like for my attention span i need that <laughs> I, <can't, laughs> I need something that's like keeping keeping me on my toes and it's right mm -hmm. there because mm -hmm. i get i get distracted or bored easily which is i think mm -hmm. why i do a lot i try and do a lot of different things yeah well for anyone watching that is interested if i'm correct you, do you do custom made-to-order pieces? I do. So everything I do, it's just like I've made them and people order me or message me if they want to order individual pieces. Sometimes people send me their own personal pictures. Sometimes people, it's actually so cute. People like send me that because for people that aren't watching, don't know, they're like eh. kind of inappropriate, queer, erotic, embroidery. Um, so people will send me their own like nudes or like intimate pictures with their partners. This one guy sent me like, he, him and his boyfriend were so hot and he sends me like three pictures of them like mid-sex and he was like, can you make these for me? I want to give them to my boyfriend for our anniversary. And I was like, that is so cute. Like, I'm so happy to be a part of this. Like, I would love to do that for you. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm looking respectfully. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Oh it's I funny though because like i'm staring at a picture of him and his boyfriend like or whatever picture i do for like four hours straight so now these images are like burned into my <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love that i don't know if this will sound like a strange question but given that you're now in kind of i would say as far as we've discussed like these three different careers does it ever feel weird switching as like a business person between the three of them like on one hand the hairstyling journey is in some of its earlier stages the embroidery is something that you do in your free time and that you really enjoy it's like your zen space and then the work that you put on OnlyFans is obviously an experience that you've had for much longer does it ever feel weird switching either creatively or personally between those spaces not really um it they all just feel like an extension of me to some yeah. point, to some way. So it's just feels natural. I think it comes with a sense of like a little bit of confidence. I think like I believe in myself. And so even if I'm in the early stages, like I'm here for this and I understand where I'm at. I think I'm very, um, I have a good idea of reality and what's around me and I understand that I may be at an early stage in my like hair career for example but there's only way one way to not get there and it's by doing the work and doing the steps and you know taking opportunities and that's what I'm doing so it's like as long as I feel like I'm not selling myself short and I'm showing up mm -hmm. to the plate like I can present something with a bit of confidence because I know I'm giving it my all yeah
Love that. Well, I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. I hope we all we all are subscribers. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned earlier, particularly in the past year. Um, obviously, this shit show has like really changed how we interact with ourselves and other people. Um, and even how we process things like emotions and navigating our emotions. So you mentioned that you started seeing a psychiatrist. Mm. And I'm guessing that was like a new space of expression for you. What has kind of been like an important takeaway for you, not only in that process, but perhaps also taking into account everything that this past year has changed? Um, it's just so important to take care of ourselves. You know, I think that is the bottom line is like this year we sat alone. We've all just been like sitting with ourselves in a way that we've never really experienced before. And that makes you bring up some shit. You know, you start feeling certain ways or having certain thoughts or realizing negative patterns. Um, You know, I was in a relationship and that was a big mirror to some of my negative habits and patterns that like Mm -hmm. I may not have realized myself. And I think that was a huge point in me getting, taking a step in the right direction, um, involving my mental health. And, you know, my ex was, he was the one that actually kind of suggested it. He's done therapy and he's, you know, had experience with all these things. And so it was nice to have someone on your side that's encouraging these things not in a judgmental way, someone that's actually caring for you. And, you you know, or like this, this could be something that could help you out. And Mm -hmm. you're like, well, why not at this point? Like, (laughs) well, what's worse could happen? You know, you go, you do the meeting, it's on your computer. I didn't have to go to any office. Like Mm -hmm. the worst thing that could happen is I don't like it. And I don't continue to go forward with it. But, you know, there's also the opposite of what if you do do it and you, benefit greatly from it you know so it's like not turning that away and it comes with stigma like we said unfortunately like I've dealt with a lot of mental health my whole life I'm I've been around me but like still there's still that part where I think we have like a little shame or embarrassment or like we don't want to talk about it um but it's it's all bullshit honestly absolutely there's also a very weird stigma that to access something like therapy, you have to be in like a huge crisis point. Right, you have to be, yeah. Yeah, but these conversations, like the whole point of going to therapy is no matter what stage you're at, you're learning how to have those conversations with yourself and with other people. Um, I just think everybody should. Yeah, I mean, I agree fully. Mm. I mean, I say it like I, I've gone, I haven't, but... You haven't? I... <laughs> you should. I'm telling you, it's so easy from your computers now. Mm-hmm. The one thing that was a little frustrating, though, was, you know, I thought I was just going to be going to therapy and, like, I would start and then, you know, session two, I'd be crying about, like, childhood traumas. It's mm-hmm. not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the process of finding a therapist that I clicked with was not a task that I had uh, envisioned happening Mm -hmm. like but it makes sense because you want to talk to someone that you feel comfortable with you're sharing like these intimate memories and details of your life and like sometimes I would get set up with these people and I'm like I don't want to talk to you like (laughs) are you just your natural banter and interaction just like doesn't lead you to that place to feel comfortable and vulnerable with this person Mm -hmm. so that was something that was a little bit challenging and you know, it kind of, I mean, I think I went through like four or five people before I found the girl that I started seeing now. And that's exhausting because you're at this point where you're like being vulnerable and asking for help, but then you're not really able to receive the help that you're hoping to get immediately. But I mean, for anyone interested in going to therapy, like just give it a try because it's Mm -hmm. worth it when you do find that person. Um, So I was really, I was really grateful when I did find the girl I was also looking for a guy or someone queer at first because I thought that would just be better you know to be with a queer man that understood like some of my issues but then I let that go I don't know why I'm with a girl now she's I mean she still helps me and is able to have the same conversations but just because she's not a queer male doesn't mean that she's not able to show up in those spaces and give me proper insight or help me reach the 
the breakthroughs I need to. Mm -hmm. That's, I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. And I think for people that are looking into therapy or looking for a therapist, it's completely fine to be specific. And I think we can mm -hmm. really underestimate, like, say you're, I don't know, an East Asian heterosexual woman and you're looking for a therapist, there can be great currency in specifically looking for a therapist that is a person of colour as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, like, even I've had reservations about, you know, if I, some of the resources that I was looking at, I just off the bat was like, I don't, I don't think these people would get me, so I don't really know what to do. And I think that can be very easy, an easy point to just step away and think, like, what's the point? But it really is worth it to try and find someone that, you do think you can be comfortable with because they are out there and the networks do exist. In that process of, of finding someone and also taking into account that there's still this stigma before you've tried actually and you've seen the benefits of it, was there ever a moment where you kind of thought or doubted that that was what you wanted to try or kind of feared what it would be like trying it? Mm-mm. No, I was at a point where I was really open to yeah. whatever could help would help. So I was lucky to be in that place mm -hmm. um, because I knew what I was doing wasn't helping me for a while. So, you know, like I said, what's the worst thing that could happen is you go to the appointment and you hate it and just never go back. So I was I was definitely in a place where I was open to receiving different outcomes. Sometimes I think it's important to realize, especially with like, I mentioned that I started on antidepressants, like sometimes it's not just your environmental things. You can be like, well, maybe if I work out more, maybe if I do this, maybe if I wake up earlier, maybe if I clean my room more often, like, you know, these little things, we don't have a lot of control of a lot this past year, but you know, yeah. there's things you would try. And sometimes you just have to also realize that like chemical imbalances are things that are beyond your control. Like when you have that imbalance in your brain, it's like, it's you can do everything under the sun and it may not get you to a place where you're feeling great because you're not able to get there on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think also a part of that that's really important to realize is it can be, very, it sounds very cliche, but to accept that you're not okay is really a valuable thing that you need to do and not being okay. Like it's not a black and white thing where it's either crisis or not a crisis. Like it's perfectly fine to think, I'm in this great area and there are some things that I'm unhappy with and I want to work on those. It doesn't make you any less of a functioning person, yeah. like any less of a successful career person either. Like it, these things are of no detriment. At the end of the day, they are journeys that will be helpful to you. Um, and also on the back of that, thank you for sharing kind of your reasonings behind it and your journey with it. I think of course. it's a really, it's a really reassuring thing for, for so many I people. also think it's, I, there's a certain point where you're like, there's a stigma around it and you're upset there's a stigma around it. But if you're also embarrassed to be talking about it, you're feeding into that same stigma that is like harming you. Mm -hmm. So it's like you, even if you may feel uncomfortable or I feel uncomfortable, like I tried be honest and present that to people because you never know what someone else is going through. You'd never know who else is on the other end, like thinking about going to therapy or struggling yeah. or, you know, could receive this, this, this little word from you that may spark something in their brain to be like, yeah. Oh, you know, maybe I should give this a try. Maybe I should do this. Mm -hmm. So I think well, if, it, if I were to tie everything together, um, mm. like everything that we've spoken about, what would you say is a key piece of advice that you would give now, either to you when you were a younger person, maybe before you've even considered the start of this entire journey or at a certain point in this journey, um, in terms of, you know, things that you find important now, what kind of advice do you think would, would be really key for, for you back then? Listen to yourself. I think listen to your gut. Like you have this internal voice. We all do. And it's usually not wrong. Um, <laughs> that's honestly like whether it comes to like just being honest with yourself or to yourself or to other people and showing yourself because people will respond to that. Yeah. I think it's like for years I tried to put on a front to seem, you know, maybe more masculine or to attract more guys or, you know, to present a certain way mm -hmm. to receive a certain reaction from people. But it's like, 
it means nothing if you're not being yourself, you know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, this person likes you or is giving you attention for a version of you that's not actually you. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I think just be yourself. That sounds so cheesy, but no, I, it, that's... I think it's, 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 it can be like, if you just hear that alone can sound vague, but as someone, I would say you as a figure that has kind of had that journey and made these changes for yourself. I don't think that's cheesy at all. That is probably the most valuable lesson to keep intact. Like at the end of the day, no one is forcing you to do things or make decisions. You are only benefiting yourself by carving your own path and doing things that are fulfilling to you. And even with that in mind, it can be hard to find things that fulfill you. And I think there yeah, is a certain definitely. degree, like we have to make peace with, we're not going to be happy all the time. We're not going to have 24 hours of shit that just makes us happy every day. Right. But the whole point is that when you start the process and you work through all of the like nitty gritty bullshit, you can get to that point where you do wake up and you think, you know, I'm going to do something that actually excites me. I think that comes with, I think we expect happiness to be a default, but honestly, happiness is something that you have to work for every day. Mm -hmm. And it, that makes it sound like a chore, but it's like so worth it. You're not going to sit, you're not going to wake up and just be happy if you're not putting in active steps to get yourself to a place where you feel happy, you know, if yeah. you're not doing yeah. certain things or whatever it may be, it's not just going to show up on your plate just because mm -hmm. you, you want it. You have to do do what it takes sometimes yeah preach i think i'm gonna get that tattooed because <laughs> everyone needs to hear that <laughs> well i think i've grilled you quite a lot on also some very personal topics so thank you for sharing those things of I, course thank you for having me i feel so honored no, i think i'm gonna quickly move on to some quick fire questions so there's a oh my god there. quick fire questions <laughs> i wasn't ready for this <laughs> um I thought I'd do these just before asking you some of the things that people submitted. So I have three questions that people sent in. Um, but I have 10 short, quick questions that are a bit okay. deep. Oh my God. <laughs> Number one, when you're not working, what do you like to do? Play with my dog. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's it. Number two, what is your most used emoji? Um, probably the squiggly face. The, like the eyes are quite as a squiggly yeah. mouth yeah mm, and mood <laughs> <laughs> yeah number three um this one is quite deep actually maybe this is not a very quick fire one okay. if you could go back in time and give your parents any piece of advice what would it be um not to have so many kids <laughs> <laughs> do you have a big family i have six siblings yeah no way yeah <laughs> Oh, that is a social event in itself right <laughs> number four what has primarily been on your mind lately um work mm -hmm. salons just opened up back here in los angeles the past two weeks so that is something mm -hmm. i'm super excited about to be back in the salon and be working like i said i feel like i'm a, like i thrive when i have a schedule i feel way more productive yeah like all things around me, like suddenly I'm meal prepping, I'm waking up earlier, like when this past month that we've been locked down, I've just been like <laughs> doing nothing, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you have a schedule, because um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, where is your happy place? Um, my happy place would be on the beach, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Number six, what is your guilty pleasure? Uh, I don't really, what is my guilty pleasure? I watch Real Housewives all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh, which one? All of them. The three points, <laughs> I've just been watching old seasons, catching up. I haven't seen any of them. I feel like such a bad, like... <laughs> that's, no, that's why I say guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, what are you most grateful for? Um, my friends and my dog and... Mm -hmm everything else in between <laughs> <laughs> number eight this could be neither but loki i saw this on google and i ran out of ideas so i kept it anyway <laughs> beer or wine wine oh yeah right yeah, yeah. like correct yeah <laughs> <laughs> number nine 
Do you have a favorite item or thing? If so, what is it? Favorite item? Um, recently, since doing all this embroidery stuff, it's been my iPad because mm -hmm. there's this app that I use that I can like draw images and create on, and it's I'm obsessed with it because it's like <laughs> it's like drawing except you don't have to worry about making mistakes because you can just mm -hmm. like press back and forward, and so there's like yeah. so much less commitment. You can like try new lines, and if it doesn't work out, it just like disappears. So yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with that. So we just love avoiding responsibility. <laughs> exactly. No, that's fully what it is. Exactly. <laughs> well, number 10, a final one from me. What makes you happy, most importantly? Um, what makes me happy is seeing other people happy and, like, being able to bring that to other people. I really, really enjoy that. Like, I love seeing people smile. I love making people laugh. I love, I mean, not to bring up my dog again, but, like, my dog, whenever he's around people, they love him so much, and that makes me so happy because, like, he makes me so happy, too, so... <laughs> Oh, this is I'll talk about my dog. Awesome episode. Yeah. Back, we can just talk about my dog. On season two, we can just give him a separate, a okay, separate yeah. episode. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I will move on to to close the episode. A few questions that people have sent in. Um, so I picked three that I thought would be cool to hear you talk about. Okay. Um, so the first one comes from Russell. Hello, him. Hi, Russell. <laughs> he says. Um, you seem so free as yourself. Have you always been that way? And what advice would you give to others who aren't necessarily in the same position? Um, I definitely have not always been that way. It's definitely been a journey um, to get there for sure. Um, I think advice I would give just someone in that position that's feeling something along those lines. You know, I kind of would start questioning what I would do. Like, I, who is it for? If I'm, if I'm presenting online, like, who is this for? What am I trying to get out of this? Like, and if it's not, like, if you don't kind of, if the answers of those don't sit well with you, if you're able to be honest with yourself, then, like, you kind of have to skew your choices a little bit. Yeah. That makes well, sense. Russell, I hope you. Hi, Russell. <laughs> hope you enjoyed that. Um, I mean, did that make sense? I felt like I was rambling. My thoughts got a little jumped. I think up. it does. I think it, it's really. I, it's hard on social media. Like, what you present, people see, and they know you've made a choice to put that out there. So it can automatically seem like you're just really cool with yourself, and you're really happy with yourself, and you're happy with other people seeing those things. Right. Well, but, I think the thing about Instagram in particular is like people post a picture a week and we in, we fill in the rest of the dots of who they are and what their life is. Like, it's the most vague of the social media platforms of, yeah. like, giving us an insight on who someone is, but we still, yeah. like, idolize these people and we create, like, realities for them and who we think they are and when they approve of my post and they liked it, so I must be doing something right. Like, yeah. it's, all, it's all very interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a difficult thing to observe like because I, I feel like I've been on both ends of it and when I was the person filling in the gaps and seeing all these amazing photos there was definitely a part of me that was a bit like purposeless but now being on the other end where people see me and think like I'm in a suit 24 7 and I'm just like having my little gay brunches all the time yeah like, no <laughs> that's not how it works right. but I think in terms of someone else's idea of like feeling free or even my way of doing it I completely agree with you like my biggest shift was just thinking who am I actually doing this for and from that point on deciding what energies to surround myself with and there were certain people that were just not conducive to me having any kind of positive thought pattern or like positive behaviors and I was like that needs to go um so I think really not being afraid to reassess yourself consistently and checking in to think what actually is driving me and what is my end goal you don't always have to have an end goal but as long as right. it is fulfilling you in the process and reaffirming yeah. who you are that's what you can really i mean i'll stop rambling now because <laughs> no i like it talk i don't want to be the only one talking <laughs> uh, well i will move on to number two which is quite similar to the first 
um, from Moises, who says, what keeps you going on a day-to-day -day basis? What motivates you? What keeps me going is uh, currently working towards a place that I want to be in my life, in my career, in the future. Mm -hmm. That's like first and foremost right now. That's where my head is at. And my all my energy is going towards work and setting myself up at a career. I want to buy a house. I have like all these goals that like I have in my head and like, how am I going to get to those goals? How am I going to achieve them? Mm -hmm. How am I going to have like 20 dogs and go on vacation <laughs> with all my dogs? Oh, you should just move in with my sister. That sounds <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Give me the number. Well, the third question actually comes from my sister. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Amazing. Um, Seema, who, Seema. Hi, Seema. <laughs> she asks, what is your creative inspiration? Whether that be clothes or the art that you make or even just like you as a having a vision my creative inspiration i think would start with rihanna just for everything mm -hmm. baseline that's my creative inspiration but i also like doing things that are a little bit different so like with the embroidery it's something that like i haven't really seen before and it mm -hmm. just like that kind of feels cool to me just to keep on pushing myself and to do different things and yeah yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of going to go to hell because I'm taking this, like, cherished art form of, like, old ladies and I'm, like, fully <laughs> making it vile and inappropriate. If they ever saw it, they would probably like, cry. I don't know. Well, I feel like I have a first-class ticket to hell, so I'll see you there. <laughs> okay. <Can I> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, well, that's all for questions from the people. Um, and obviously, I think I've I've really exhausted my questions. <laughs> okay, I loved it. <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you not only for joining me, but also for going into the types of depth that you have. I think these are a lot of things that we hearing someone else verbalize it makes a lot of stuff easier for us to hear. And I think you've touched on some really personal but really important journey so thank you for sharing that with us of I course really appreciate it thank you for having me i really really am honored i really appreciate it oh again i don't really know why you chose me but i'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> well this is proof why you've you've shared so much important wisdom and i hope this is also a reminder that you as a person are just bomb.com so i'm trying thank you <laughs> Well, for anyone watching, if you couldn't watch all of this for any reason, um, this will be available as a podcast. So tomorrow I'll be sharing links and I will send you a link and the video. Um, so you can all just check it out there or alternatively it'll be in my little IGTV thing. Um, but thank you so much Love for joining that. me. Also at 11 in the morning, I would definitely would. not. <laughs> I'm up. I'm up. I'm dewy-eyed. I'm fresh. <laughs> I wake up at like 1 p.m. So well, if this were. <laughs> get a dog. He wakes me up so early now. It's, that's the worst part. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be the life change that I yeah. need. <laughs> Maybe. I support it. All right. Well, for anyone who is still watching, uh, you can check out the final episode next week, who will be with Hayden. But for now, thank you to Cameron. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you. Anytime. All right. I will message you. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.